Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. It's time to dive into Aston Villa's 4-3 loss to Southampton at Villa Park. Aston Villa 3, Southampton 4, a very mixed game between both halves. Uh, not really sure how I'm feeling about that, but nonetheless, Cole Pedham here as always. And as always, I'm here with Danny Raza. Danny, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing all right. Uh, if, if, you don't, if you guys don't know, we are an international podcast. Two of us are based over in the UK, just into lockdown, Cole. So um, really hoping for a good Villa result. Just to just to keep some positivity brewing. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, seeing us go four 0 down, uh, it wasn't to be. Um, but I don't feel too disappointed because we went down with the punches swinging like Spider Man. <laughs> Damn it! You <laughs> beat me to it. Oh god, he did beat you to it. And of course, there's a third voice here. We have two Dan's because two Dan's is better than one. So. Just to make things simple for the listeners, Danny Razzle will be called Danny. Dan Morgan will be called Dan. We'll keep it that simple, but Dan, how are you doing? Good, thank you, man. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure chatting with you boys. Uh, And, I mean, listen, there's got to be some form of direct correlation between Aston Villa losing and conceding four goals and and the United Kingdom entering a, a, a nationwide lockdown because this is the second time it's happened and uh, yeah, I th- I'm feeling a bit better than I was after that Leicester game. I'm not going to lie, um, as Danny kind of alluded to there. Obviously, you don't want to ever concede four goals, but you know, here we are, and I'm sure we'll get into that a bit later on, Cole. Oh, absolutely! Like this game, I this is the tale of two halves. If there was ever a game for Aston Villa, tale of two halves, it's this game, and I've never seen too far ends of the spectrum than this and just to break it down for most people we're down four nil we bring it back basically literally till it's too late just to tease us just to give us that hope going into arsenal thinking you know what if we fix a few things we can do it that's just that's what this club does to you it gives you the hope to crush you even further and then gives you that hope again and puts you under again but nonetheless guys let's get into it um danny i'll start with you where do you want to start with this do we start with the, the sloppy fouls leading to easy set piece play. Do we start with the sloppy set pieces? Where do you want to start? I think it is. The, yeah, I think it's the, the sloppy set pieces. And I think that part of that comes out from this um, bad habit Villa have. And this isn't a bad habit that's appeared last season. And actually, it was around in the first four games, which Villa won as well. Um, I think just very, very slow out the blocks for whatever reason. It almost seems as though Villa let the opposition have a head start. You Those boys go out running, whereas Villa are kind of, you know, let's grow into the game. But I don't think you got the time to do that in the Premier League. You really don't. Um, that happens a little bit slow off the pace, a couple of misjudged passes, and then eventually, uh, yeah, you know, just giving away the fouls. Now, it's one of those things where Villa get a lot of free kicks too. Villa do, uh, can, do get a lot of fouls going their way, of course. But 
there seems to be, you know, a particular issue with us defensively in terms of defending from set pieces. And I think that's the first issue um, after Target does obviously give away that silly free kick. The first issue is that set pieces, that zonal marking, it's just too easy to exploit. McGinn on Vestigard. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? And it's, it's zonal. Because it's, it's good because you're not man marking. No, it's, it, you've got his own there. If no. if a if a six foot four dude comes up against you, then tough luck. I have a better chance. I'm all for innovation. Yeah, actually, Dan, you go ahead, and then I'll say what I have to say. Sorry, no, I was just gonna, like I'm all for innovation in the game, but there's you know certain things like zonal marking. There's no there's no reason why it should exist. There's no place for it in the game. If if us three were to be playing Sunday League, and you know all six foot three of me was was, you know, totally unmarked by some, you know, five foot, you know, surely the other team is going to, is going to, you know, pick up on that, put someone who's bigger on to match up. It's just like common sense should like prevail in this situation. But here we are with, you know, John McGinn marking Vestergaard and, and as well, Tyron Mings was marking fresh air for that first goal. Um, very disappointing from him. But. Dan stating his height like it's a Tinder bio right here. <laughs> <laughs> Casually put it in. Expert. I'm six, six three. foot three of me. I'm six foot three. <laughs> I have awesome hair, um, great eyebrows. Um. It's a shame this is an audio only podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love long walks on the beach. <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man's my hero. Oh, God. Spider-Man is my hero, man. That's it. Oh, God. No one's going to have a clue. When it comes to what we're, why we keep saying Spider-Man, maybe I'll let Danny uh, get onto that in a second. But uh, nonetheless, let's get back onto the game, guys. Because to be honest, even before the first goal goes in, you have one that's called off. Che Adams is just offside. So there's us kind of counting our lucky stars there. VAR apparently likes us this season so far. So uh, there's one contrast from last season. But nonetheless, leaving things right in front of goal, right outside the box, and you know who's going to take them, and that is James Ward-Prowse. He, like, I, he, I don't know, he could be arguably the best free-kick taker in the world. Like, as soon as you know it's going to him within a certain range, it's in, and I called both goals. Daniel, come to you first. Like, it, it's a poor space and a poor area to give them away. What were your kind of thoughts on those fouls as it is, and is there anything in your mind that even – Martinez or someone could have done something differently to stop that. Fouls are a difficult one. They come because you're under pressure, and it come you, they come because you're you're slightly off the pace. It comes because the opposition are you know uh, tapping the ball along a little bit better than you. Villa also had a couple of free kicks in positive areas, just made absolutely nothing of them, uh, unfortunately. But I think in the areas that those you know those two second free kicks that obviously Ward Prowse swung in, the areas that those were given, you know you're at like th- this was the thing. What who you can't criticize the set piece after that? No, the set piece is there. You're at the mercy of whoever's taking it. Just so happens that Ward Prowse has a good shot on him. But I'm sorry, you don't ever let, you know, you you don't you don't give away free kicks in that area. Matty Cash, his I mean, uh, sorry, who was the first one? The first one was Douglas Louise, right? Yeah, I thought that was quite soft. I thought we, you know, we really weren't getting anything in midfield at that point, and I thought Douglas was having a bad game up until then. Um. It wasn't just him. McGinn and Barkley as well didn't really have a hold of the game. But yeah, it was just, it was a silly catch. Uh, second one was uh, Matty Cash, which fair enough. I think he tried to stop it getting to Theo Walcott, who's free, but shouldn't have been in that position. It was Villa being on the back foot and just inviting pressure. And, you know, you get desperate. 
Yeah, and Dan, I'll come to you next because maybe a good talking point would be that right-hand side because we saw Bertrand Traore come in for a very informed Trezeguet, in my opinion, in terms of what we've seen from him and kind of what we've expected now going forward. I have had no complaints with him since Project Restart. So Traore comes in. You have Matty Cashin behind him. Traore is always been known not to really track back. He tried to, didn't really come off, and then you kind of just saw Southampton overloading right in front of Matty Cash, basically just to the mercy of Southampton there. So kind of what were your thoughts on that right-hand side? Were, were we kind of doomed from the get-go on that kind of area of the pitch? Because that's a, a lot to leave on Matty Cash, who's only played a few Premier League games. I don't think so. I think Cash has genuinely been one of Villa's better players since the start of the season. I think it's unfortunate. And I listen, I don't think we see this overload from Southampton on the right-hand side uh, if you know Bielsa hadn't done that with Leeds because Alioski and Harrison were relentless on Matty Cash and it was a real tough evening for him against Leeds. He was man of the match in the first half for me against Leeds, but in that second half, he just he couldn't cope. It was two on one all night. So, you know, obviously when, when you're kind of looking at that as a manager, you're going to see that. But I'm surprised that they didn't, uh, you know, even Leeds and Southampton both didn't look to get a bit more joy from that left-hand side because Matt Target is considerably weaker defensively. You know, we've seen Matty Cash top the uh, interceptions, blocks, tackles, statistics uh, up until this point in the season and, and has looked like a very astute buy. Uh, now, obviously, you know, this an overload happens for a reason, as we kind of alluded to then, people not tracking back. Uh, Traore, I feel like he may have been hung out to dry. I did I did call for him to start, but he's not played a lot of football recently, uh, you know, albeit played against Bristol. He'd come on at the end of for the Leeds game. But Trezeguet, it's been, it's been a bit out of this new form that we've seen from him. You know, he, he, he's been very much a workhorse. And I don't want to beat on Trezeguet too much because, to be honest, thought he was probably one of our better players in the second half um I'm just a bit confused I don't I don't know whether they're just targeting cash and and hoping in terms of his inexperience that will eventually be his downfall but overall I think he's been pretty solid so far um again I don't I don't really want to I don't want to beat on him too much because I don't I think he, he you know he, he's new to the league he, he seems to have taken to it fairly well and there's not many defenders in a two-on-one situation are ever going to come out on top, is there? I don't think anybody was targeted specifically either from Southampton. I think they just, no. you know, very they're very simply they were like, right, let's let's win the game in midfield, let's stay narrow, and you know, Villa just let it happen. They just let, like, you know, yeah. there, there, there wasn't enough, um, there wasn't enough, you know, quick-paced movements out uh, out wide, which is probably what in the second half it was just kind of. I almost feel as though Mian- Villa tried to like meander through the first half sometimes, and it's yeah. it's a, it's a case of right. You've got to try and grab a hold of the game first because if you're letting Southampton just grow into the game, you're letting them you know keep on pushing at you. Eventually, there's a weakness is going to get exploited. But um, yeah, like that that the entire midfield, Douglas, Barkley, McGinn, they couldn't keep up with with Southampton. And maybe the plan should have been right. Let's get target a little bit further up again, uh, and let's uh, and let's let Jack and, and Ollie do something with the ball. Um, I don't think anybody was targeted in particular. That's the funny thing. And also, like that that whole game was one of those get one of those games where you would throw out your computer after Football Manager. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was. Do, do you not think that that Ross, a player like Ross Barkley, uh, is is somewhat dare I say of a luxury player because he wasn't too involved in the game today uh, in comparison to against Liverpool and even Leicester. Obviously, he got the winner there. But as you said there, Danny, the midfield was overran and. It was, I mean, on paper, it was essentially a 2v2 with you've got Louise and McGinn holding for Villa. And then Southampton obviously lined up with this 4-4-2 with Romeo and Ward-Prowse in the midfield. But Barkley was missing for, for large sections of this game. Yeah, but I guess it's one of those where it's whose responsibility is it for Villa to drive the ball, for Villa to drive the ball forward? Do you know what I mean? Who, who, it was is, Jack Grealish's, wasn't it? Well, it's not just him, though. If Jack goes forward, Target has to go forward too. You know, if Jack yeah. goes forward, Ollie needs to find himself a run. Um, Barkley, McGinn, Louise, they need to move with him. And I think I think that's where Villa went wrong first half. But I don't know. Um, I feel like if any team comes at Villa, has a go at them, they'll crumble first few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's... <sighs> Like those are both perfect points because I did want to get onto the midfield and I don't know how many times it was literally just bypassed completely. And it, it was kind of, again, like I said, the tale of two halves because you look at someone like John McGinn and for me personally, I feel like he's better utilized when he's sitting a little deeper back closer to Douglas Louise gives him that support because Douglas Louise as talented, as great as he was at the end of last season, he does like to take his time on the ball in certain times where I wish he would just hurry that up a little bit, use a little bit more pace and a little more, more sense of urgency and get it up the pitch a little bit quicker. And at times I find him extremely isolated. And when you're having McGinn, who in my opinion looks absolutely knackered, like, again, I don't know what it is. Think? If is, is he a 90 minute player guys? Like, what are your thoughts even on that? Cause I, like, I find like after 60 minutes, he's like dead. I think, I think Dean Smith needs to up his substitution game. And yeah. I do think that I think we need to see Nakamba on early in some of these games. We really We've do. Known this since the championship, haven't we, though, Danny? Yeah, yeah. It's still not improved, is it? It still hasn't. No. <laughs> but where's Nakamba? That's my issue. Like we've been crying out for him in the last couple of games, and well, I, 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 Nakam- I got slated yeah. for this. I think Nakamba is uh, a limited player, but I think we'd see the best we see in Nakamba is when Villa are on a full press. He's yeah playing in that number six position admittedly but he's still quite high up the pitch and winning the ball back in them situations where you're trying to stay in the opposition's final third I think that's Nakamba's bread and butter and listen uh Cole I know you just said you think McGinn's best position is is slightly deeper I think overall I think he may complement the system uh, the 4-2-3-1 that we're playing in that position but I think we see the better side of John McGinn further up the pitch I think we saw it at the start of last season he's getting involved in the goals look at Spurs uh, you know games like that he's he is uh, too good for me to to be sat in a two in front of the back four uh, if anything I think you need him in a bit of a double pivot situation with Louise because again Louise has other qualities that you know, lend himself to being a much better midfielder than one that simply protects the back four. We, we finally saw Douglas Louise get a shot from range in today. Um, and I, I just think John McGinn, you know, with, with him on the pitch, further up the pitch, there's always a chance that you can get a goal or can get something because his energy uh, for, you know, large portions of the game uh, can be the difference maker. Yeah, no, like I, I should re-clarify, like I'd prefer McGinn up the pitch. I think it's just... 
with our midfield now, it's almost at, at a point now where you look at well, obviously Douglas Louise McGinn, you have Barkley, Nakamba's on the bench, you have Hurahan. I think it's just kind of they're falling to kind of a subject of the formation we play. And unfortunately, McGinn has to be that one player that you're right. There has to be a pivot there. There has to be a give and go of if you're moving with it, I stay back. If I'm moving with it, you stay back. Like, I don't know if yeah. it, it's a lack of communication or what it is, but the midfield for the, especially for the last two games has been found out massively. And part of me is almost wondering if, if we could just at some point, I don't know if Nakamba is that player, but we just, we need someone eventually that can just sweep things up because as much as I love Douglas Louise, he also does at times like to get four or two. And how easy it is it to bypass a midfield when you can just hoof it over to them? You have Ings yeah. and Che Adams who play brilliantly off one another. You're allowing their wide players to literally run riot wherever they want and allow their midfield to bypass you so easily because you're focused on feeding. To Let's be honest, everything almost comes through Jack still. And I, I think that's the other issue too. Danny, I'll come to you because it's Twitter, but nonetheless, I'll address it because I think some people are getting a little frustrated with him saying it's not his best game. Of course, he gets sets up two goals and scores. But nonetheless, is there any, I wouldn't say frustration, but any kind of inquiry or, I don't know, questionability of Grealish of holding I know you're going the ball yeah. too long? Or no. I, I, I'm not trying <laughs> no. to, but you know what I mean? Like There isn't. No. There, there was absolutely not an issue with that at all today. There really wasn't. You know, the issue, the issue with Villa was that defensively they made stupid errors in the first half. That was the issue, right? Yeah. And because of yeah. that, they never got going. And because of that, the pressure was on them straight away and they didn't know what to do, right? That was it, okay? And I think, first of all, that is an issue. That needs to be addressed, right? That, that issue of dropping their heads at 1-0 down, they, they really need to stop that and they need, they, need to, they need to keep creative. But secondly, with Jack, I think, I think he played a good game. And I thought he played well with Target and he linked up really well with Watkins. What else do you want him to do? Do, you, like, exactly. do, do you want him to drive at the defense and score every single game? By the way, he scored That'd today. That'd be nice. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I also thought Villa executed the switch really well. Yeah. Right. It's very, it's very obvious that, and this is only in the second half, by the way, that little ball from the left-hand side right across to, to Trezeguet worked absolute wonders. It's just yeah. a shame he never got a goal in. So um, I disagree with the idea that Villa were only trying to play it to Jack. They had two plans. One was obviously drive in with Jack. The second one was get Trezeguet into space and let him let him let him bang one in. That should have been the plan first half, and it wasn't. That was the issue. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's any issues with Jack holding onto the ball too long. No, I, I, the, uh, I, people are just looking for like reasons to have a go at him. On the confidence thing, Danny, there, uh, you know. I find it quite interesting because if you look at the squad, I think, you know, Villa is still very much a work in progress, that has to be said. But not many of these players have ever really been in a situation where, uh, you know, they've gone three, four nil down and have ever managed to bring it back. That that kind of winning mentality, you, yeah, there is that, but... You know, it's 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 kind of unprecedented that that early on, you uh, you suffer such a heavy deficit, and then you're actually able to get yourself back in the game. So, I actually, mm. I, I find it quite encouraging that you know Villa came out in that second half, and I think 
you know, the, the sentiment from Dean is that he, he managed to calm them all down and, and reassure them that, you know, the second half would be a lot better. Um, so hopefully that second half of football can, can lend itself to Villa not being in a situation where they're Dan, three or four nil down again. But Dan, it needed, it needed a team talk from their manager, at, yeah. you know, after they were three nil down. Like, come on, boys, right? It's the Premier League. Going one nil down is not a reason to drop your heads. Like, this happens. You do go down in matches. No game was ever decided in the first 30 minutes, but it felt like it today. Yeah, I think a lot of credit has to be given to the team. To, you know, that, that's part of it, Danny. And listen, Villa, Villa should have sorted that out on the pitch. There were, what was worrying is that there was no one... Uh, you know that we could we could necessarily hear on on you know through the through the streams or the, the TV or whatever that was trying to pick Villa up. Um, one thing I, I I noticed being at Villa Park for the Leeds game, Tyrone was barking out orders. He was uh, very much making people aware of the positions they needed to be in, stuff like that. It was worrying that there was none of that today. So listen, I, I'm 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 in agreement with you, Danny. It, it shouldn't have to take. The you know the halftime team talk from Dean, but I think you know I I feel like there are big kind of turning points in games and in seasons, and I feel like this could actually be one of them. I think we all probably thought the Liverpool game was one, but I think now as each game passes, we're we're looking at that as maybe more of a fluke result. Dare I say it? Um, and ho- I'm hoping this can be a uh, a turning point in the side because Villa twelve months ago wouldn't have been able to get back into this game the way that we did we did, Danny. No, it's, look, there's, there's a culture thing where Villa yeah. are trying to Villa are trying to build this culture. That's what Dean Smith said. Unfortunately, with that, I think is I. It's almost as though they get really, really disappointed in themselves. As in, yeah. you know, they almost start, you know, just getting really, really upset with themselves as soon as things aren't going their way. And they need to they need to get used to. I think they need to humble themselves a little bit. And I think maybe that's what that three 0 deficit did. Yeah, you know, granted they should have. I think the issue was I think people were talking about Leeds match and that should have been the turning point and yeah you know that that should have been the wake up call but I don't think one one defeat is a is a wake up call I think going into the second match and then seeing oh okay there is an issue I think after this point maybe they sort something out but um I think that's it I think they just need to I think they need to rally amongst each other a little bit more I think as you say about Mings it's interesting I thought he looked brilliant as soon as he scored but we're already four yeah. 0 down by that point, um, and then it's a clear confidence thing, isn't it, with the squad? Because they've gone, yeah. they've gone four games in the Premier League where they've won all of them, they've blown them away, and dare I say it, there was an, an air of complacency. It was tactically outclassed by Leeds. You got to put your hands up. I don't think you know a lot of sides would have struggled on the night to have beaten Leeds. They so I don't think mean. it's necessarily a bad. Yeah, no, exactly. That that's it. We're we're too nice. We. Look at Pep Guardiola, look at Manchester City. Pep was a player who built a career on tactical fouls and that's been implemented in every single team he's managed. And no one talks about how dirty Manchester City are because they do it smartly. The amount of times Trezeguet got on the wrong side of Vestergaard or Douglas Louise needlessly pulled down James Ward-Prowse, they made it so obvious. Villa have to be tough, they have to be resilient and they have to do these kind of things uh, in, in, a, in a somewhat sneaky way. It's a dark art. You know, oh, cash is the only one that's good at it. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. 
Hey y'all, Cole here. Just a quick little note and then we'll get you right back to the regularly scheduled Holtzcast. Um, in the post edit right now and I forgot to include your thoughts that you tweeted us. So if you want to get involved in the future post-match, tweet us at 7500Holt and we will read some of yours out, which I will do right now. We'll start with uh, Mick C at Looking Board and he says, we if we are going to play a single center forward in the midfield, have re- have to really perform to give the service and support to the central forward. The stats show that Leeds covered way more ground in midfield as well as outpacing us. I think the stats will show the same for this game. Next, we will go to Jude Doherty at Jude Doherty 11 saying lost the first half 3-0, won the second half 3-1. Just consistency and confidence in their ability. Uh, next, we will go to Benny G at Ben the Gross, uh, saying, looking back at the game as a whole, the first two free kicks were totally preventable, but we'll be disappointed um, that we gave up all three of those free kicks in those positions. Could have won the game in the second half. And finally, we will finish it off with Adam Clark at Adam Clarker saying the first goal can happen in the second half shows we had it in us to come back but worrying Louise and Cash players were relying to shore up shore us up uh, give away silly fouls against a side with the most deadly free kick taker in the league we need to be more than a one gear side but nonetheless guys we'll get you right back to the regularly scheduled Holtcast. yeah no 100% no 100% like the, the thing that like a good comparison with Pep at City, and I kind of similarly, if you look at the all or nothing all or nothing series with Spurs, it's the same thing with Mourinho. You have to be a bit of a prick. <laughs> this is going to be yeah. an explicit episode now that I said that, but nonetheless, that's not what he, that's um, not even what he said, Cole. You, like, no. you basically you tried to cover up one swear word with another swear word. Okay, well, you have to be a swear word that wasn't as bad. Yeah, you have to be a, an asshole, whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? The, the word we the other word say they cannot say or will be cancelled, so let's not say it. <laughs> yeah. But no, you have to have that grit and determination. I see the determination, but why is the determination when you're 3-4-0 down? And to be honest, it could have been worse. It could have been 6 or 7. Ings was marked for offside, like I said before, Adams. And I think there was another one as well, if I'm correct in thinking so, but I could be wrong. And... I, I don't know. It, it's it. I can see the fluke in it, and Dan is right because realistically, if there's two free kicks right outside the box, and it's probably most of the other teams in the Premier League, they might score one or none of them. Like the fact that he scored both, it, it's a little ridiculous that that really happens. Because how many times yeah. do you see that in a season, and how rare? Like it's very hard when you're that close to goal. We can all agree on like the depth that you need and the quick and the pace that you need on the ball to get it where you want it to go, especially where he hits a basically top corner. Like it, it, it's difficult to say because, okay, you mark those out and we win like based on that scoreline, but you, you can't also think that way too. So it's a tough one nonetheless, but uh, Danny, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to, I guess the brief thing that was a Villa kind of comeback because of course the last goal comes seconds before the whistle blows is it do you think if we had say another five minutes or so do you think we're coming back and tying this up like what are your thoughts like uh, does it leave you with more confidence or more concern like uh, to be honest I'm kind of sitting in the middle of the fence here on that one I don't think so <laughs> I think I think I think Southampton probably got a bit complacent at the end I don't th- I think I think it would have been a bit unheard of for Villa to come down from 4-0 down sorry come back from 4-0 down um really all I wanted to see was a Watkins goal. I was glad I got that. 
Uh, making it 4-3 makes, makes it not look like a thrashing, which is good. And it wasn't a thrashing either. I guess it's just the expected goals ratio just just doing it bit, doing its bit, just evening itself out. But yeah, Ming scores. It's good to see it. Um, Villa. It's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to analyze it because Southampton are falling asleep a little bit at this point. But you have to say Villa is starting to kind of. I don't know. At this point in the second half, they've discovered how to play football again. Trezeguet though has had that conversation proves... a lot. He's proved in other games he's very lethal at that back post. And Trezeguet was responsible for five of our efforts on target. He was unlucky. And he was unlucky. And that's the thing. If it, What's frustrating is it's fine margins. If Villa don't give away them free kicks, and listen, people, you know, you guys who are listening to the podcast, you're going to go, yeah, it's if, buts, and maybes. We did give them away and we conceded the goals. That's the end of, you know, that's, that's, that's it. Story shut. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's not even like it's, uh, like we were tactically out for, we stupidly gave away two free kicks to, as Cole alluded to, one of the best free t- free kick takers and dead ball specialists in the league. So it's frustrating on in that sense. But then obviously, you know, if it's not if it's not for um, their keepers' heroics at the other end, Villa could have had another two goals from Trezeguet. Mm, definitely, definitely. I thought he looked brilliant second half. Just did his bit. I think. I think we struggled to see that from Trezeguet. Uh, this season, but for whatever reason, I think their left back was probably just asleep. Yeah, don't know why. Uh, um, well, it doesn't help that uh, Alex McCarthy turns into prime Buffon, of course. So, yeah, like, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I I love a good header at the back post, but I wish that one from Trez went in. I was all for that. That just that diving forward header. You're thinking that's sinking right into the back post. It's like, ah, oh, come on. Like the guy just needs a goal, and I think it'll be the same thing. Like after when Project Restart kicked off when he was on fire, arguably scoring, what, three goals in that time to keep, help keep us up. Like, I think he just needs that one. And you've seen what it does in the past with this confidence. I think as well, another player that really, really needs a goal um, or needed a goal before the game was Ollie Watkins. And I remember thinking at this point, obviously it petered out a bit, Villa 4-1 down. I remember thinking at this point, I just want to see Ollie score. I just really want Watkins to score. Just so happens that Villa get a stonewall penalty and, uh, it was beautifully taken by him. And I think it's just one of those things which will just keep him ticking. And I think we'll just keep keep people kind of, I think we'll keep people's mouths shut just for a little bit because I think every every game that he doesn't score, you, you do get a lot of negativity kind of coming out of fans' mouths. Yeah, 100%. Like, see, the thing there, my, honestly, my biggest concern there was when Grealish got, fouled was i hope he doesn't take it i hope he gives it to ollie he, it's just it's one He's of those things where record yeah it's just it's just one of those things where the striker needs a goal it's been a few games it's just the confidence thing and i'm glad he took it he took it very well like keeper went completely the other way so a good confidence thing there and then of course we're moving on after that and Grealish makes it 4-3 with like two seconds left and i was talking to dan before um we start recording and we're waiting for uh, danny to join in and I said to him, basically, this was the biggest tease of a comeback you could ever get because you were looking at the <laughs> clock. It's past six minutes of extra time. And you know, as soon as that ball is kicked, it's it's game over. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not, I'm not distressed. I think I would have been had it finished 3-0. Yeah, but it didn't. And I think that this is promising. It's promising the Villa score three goals. 
Um, it's a shame about what happened in the first half. They really need to sort that out. But I think there was a very big but at the end. And I think that's the thing with Villa. At least they said, look, we've got something. We offer something. And I think that's more than you could say to the Villa of last season. And hey, look, you know, this this is that wasn't even our, first, our, our worst first half against Southampton in the Premier League, was it? <laughs> no. I don't know if you guys remember the, remember when we were 5-1 down at halftime to, to them. But it's Jack Grealish. forget about that, Danny. Funnily enough, played in, by the way. Um, oh, back in 2015, and they lost 6-1. Do you realize our <laughs> last win against Southampton's in 2013? Do you want to guess who the goal scorers were? Lee Kojak and Fabian Delph. And who else? Oh, Koza, 2013. Uh, Gabby as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and who... Okay, this yeah. is the best one. Who scored for Southampton? You only have to name one. Shane Long. Shane Long. It's got to uh, be Shane Long. No. I know he was playing for Baggies at that time. Um, oh, okay, I'm going to say Ryan Bertrand. Think of odd Southampton strikers. Oh, um... Ricky Lambert. No. Starts with a D. No, it was the uh, Osvaldo. Danny yeah. Osvaldo. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, he, he, didn't, didn't he, like, retire to, to like, become, like, a like a, a wrestler or some, something like that? He retired early, and then he then he made a comeback, right? Yeah. Like, so he, I think he retired for four years, then made a comeback for Banfield. So he, like, retired at Boca Juniors in 2016 and made a comeback, yeah. Oh no, Sorry. Daniel Osvaldo was a musician. He had a four-year break to focus on music. <laughs> so we'll end things off with Dan. Dan, do you have any uh, final remarks? And then I'll pass it over to Danny. Listen, I think Villa are going to be in for a very different season to what we expected maybe two or three weeks ago. That being said, there's still plenty of encouraging signs. The fact that Villa came back from this is is quite remarkable to be fair. And yeah, we didn't get the points. We didn't get a draw or a win. But uh, as a to kind of echo the sentiment I made earlier, Villa 12 months ago would have probably lost this game 8-0. Um, and, you know, Southampton, I think we, we were probably naive. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Southampton are a very good side and uh, certainly shouldn't be underestimated. And I, I don't think we spoke about it at all on this podcast, but that fourth goal from Shane Long is, you know, a worthy match winner. Uh, let's Danny be honest. Ings. So, uh, Danny Ings, sorry, yes, because we were talking about Shane Long just then, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, listen, uh, there's, there's, Things to take forward here. I don't think we can look too much into Arsenal's win against Manchester United because they practically parked the bus the whole game uh, and, and scored with a penalty. But with that being said, it's still going to be a very difficult game. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. We, we put up a bit of a, a, a fight against Arsenal last season at the Emirates. We probably should have won that game. And then obviously we, uh, we got the better of them during Project Restart. So hopefully that will continue. Absolutely. Danny, do you have any final remarks? Yeah, Emmy's back to his castle, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Arsenal game. I think Villa turn up against those kinds of teams. <laughs> like, Arsenal <laughs> aren't going to be one of those teams that come out and sort of, you know, play fitness football. Do you know what I mean? That's not, gonna, that's not them. This is going to be flair versus flair, and I think Villa might well come out on top with it. And I don't know what Dan was expecting two or three weeks ago in the season, but I just, I think, I think, look, I think Villa... It's still very open. We don't know where they're going to be. Um, it's very clear that Villa are very Jekyll and Hyde. They're either going to be brilliant or they're going to be terrible. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm well, a Pakistan cricket supporter. I've been watching that kind of thing my entire life, by the way. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of vibing with it. If 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 Villa can turn up the next game and take it from where they are and where they were in the second half today. That would be great. Um, yeah, 
that's pretty much it. That's, that's it. I'd say the only thing I want to say to Villa kind of like heading into the next game is maybe there needs to be a plan B tactically. Maybe we don't have to dish out the same 11 every game. It might be back to kind of getting some bite in that midfield again. I want to see Connor back. Well, do you know if you're listening to this, Danny Raza says plan B. So we'll, we'll get that. Uh, nonetheless, guys, let's wrap it up there. Of course, thank you very much to Danny Raza and to Dan Morgan for joining me this evening. If you want to find Danny Raza on Twitter, it's at Raza Journo. You can find Dan Morgan on Twitter at Dan Morgie 34. And of course you can find his podcast um, on the heart of the Holt website at heart of the Holt on Twitter. Of course it's called the Villa filler podcast you can find myself on twitter at talk aston villain all together we make up the holt cast get in touch with the holt cat or the, basically the 7500 to holt team i should say at 7500 to holt thank you very much to our fpl sponsored 1211 kits you can find them on twitter as well but nonetheless looking forward to the arsenal game next sunday hopefully a positive result hopefully we can talk about more positive things but we'll leave it there guys and don't forget up the villa Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.